All right, we don't have anybody coming in yet. Oh, yep, we do. People are starting to join. So welcome everybody. Oh, they're flowing right in. So we're gonna give everybody just another moment or two uh, to join before we really get things kicked off. And I see a lot of people are filtering in. So welcome, thank you for joining us today. Looking good. Great. How are you doing over there today, Mike? I'm doing very good. Sunny yeah. day here in Denver, another hot one. Yeah. How's the air quality? Um, I can't, I don't have that view to see the mountains. That's the gauge, right? Yeah, that's the gauge, <laughs> uh, if you can see yeah. the mountains. Um, but it looks like it's a little bit clearer. Um, yeah. It's been rough. My goodness, it's been rough. That weather, yeah. I know the, the air. And how about you, Jack? You're in Portland. We're in Portland, Oregon, and it's a beautiful day here. We it feels like we we live all all through the eight months to enjoy September. It's always sunny and cool, and yeah, it's fantastic today. Yeah. No, no forest fires, no smoke, uh, no wow. protests down below. <laughs> well, September's when I'm taking my vacation there, then, because that sounds pretty ideal. Yeah, it does. How's it? How's it uh, down there in Florida? Um, it's hot and humid. Thank you for asking. Yeah. You and you guys didn't get touched at all by it or either, right? Uh, no, it was. Yeah. I mean, there was some. It was windy and you know, kind of rainy. But I, actually, my parents are in um, Boston, and they told me they had what six inches of rain. I think. Mm -hmm. Really wild. Yeah. Okay. Crazy. All right. Well, we've got a critical mass of people have joined us, and I see more are continuing to flow in. So we will get everything officially kicked off. Hello, everybody. Uh, thank you for joining us, um, and welcome to today's session. My name is Kelly Garrido, and I head up marketing and events here at Great Data Minds. Um, if you haven't heard of us before, we are a collective of passionate data activists, and we are on a mission to modernize the world of data. Um, so we do this in two ways. We offer a full range of data and analytics services, um, and we also produce a, a bunch of great data-related content, and we host events just like we are doing today. Um, so today we have another session in our Executive Insights Discussion Series. And so this is where we hunt down stellar executives for candid one-on-ones, and, and we offer this up in a slide-free kind of, you know, off-the-cuff conversation. Let's pick people's brains. So um, a little bit of housekeeping before we get... Some housekeeping before we get everything uh, officially turned over to... Uh, Jack and Mike today. Um, this is a webinar, so everybody's cameras and microphones are off. So you can do whatever you want because we can't see it. We can't hear it. We know that UPS guy is going to get there. We know your dog's going to bark. That's totally fine with us. Um, I will be manning the chat uh, as we get into the discussion. So don't hesitate to chime in if you've got something to say, if you've got a link to drop or you have a question, please feel free to use the chat and I will be making sure that's all good. So some introductions for the gentleman today. Mr. Mike Lampa, if you guys know Mike Lampa, everybody knows Mike Lampa by now, but if you don't, if this is your first session with us, uh, Mike is our very own Chief Analytics Officer here at Great Data Minds. Um, and Mike has just built an amazing career working with enterprises to transform their analytics programs, both by modernizing antiquated programs and then building best-in-class uh, programs from the ground up. And so he is here to share that 
uh, experience today. And thank our you, very, thank you. Oh, yes, yes. Um, so our sweet. very special guest today is Mr. Jack Phillips. And so we have Jack as the CEO and co-founder of the International Institute for Analytics, fondly known as the IIA. Um, and the IIA has been around for more than a decade, which Jack, I have to say is an astonishing feat in such a fast moving industry like the yeah. world of data and analytics. So that's great. So the IIA has a laser focus on helping Fortune 500 multinational enterprises and growth stage companies build successful analytic programs from the ground up. Um, in addition to that, he's also the host of the Leading Analytics podcast, where he speaks with leaders in the data and analytics industry to discuss how their roles within the organization can become a game changer for really improving business outcomes um, across the board. So Jack, can we, can we call you a jack of all trades? It's fine. Yeah. You're not, you wouldn't be the first and it'd be welcome. Sure. I don't, I don't think I'd be the last either. I like to throw a cheesy pun in there just as I turn the floor over. So thank you so much for joining us today, Jack. We're so excited for this, this, this discussion. And uh, Mike, I'll turn the floor over to you. Thank you, Kalia. Jack, my friend, how are you today? I am great, Mike, and uh, really fun to excited to be talking to you. Yeah, likewise. I, I, I really enjoy our times together. So, Jack, Talk to me about the genesis of IIA, right? Yeah, well, you know, Kaylee mentioned that we're we're we just had our tenth anniversary in the in the formidable year of 2020. What what a year to to have a tenth anniversary uh, a mm -hmm. birthday party. So we've actually delayed that uh, that tenth anniversary party until into 2021 when things have been a little bit uh, clearer. But it but it was about 11, 11 or call it 12 years ago that I was. Uh, was working actually in the information security industry. And I was introduced to Tom Davenport, who I think many folks know really is really, I think one of the foremost thinkers and authors in the world of enterprise analytics and really coined that idea of competing on analytics as a, as a way to actually differentiate an enterprise the same way that enterprises differentiate on features and you know, in retail store locations and things like that. And so, you know, and when he, when he wrote those two seminal books, that is competing on analytics and analytics at work, the, I would argue that the idea of, of data and analytics really had, has been around since probably the fifties. Uh, so it's not a new, uh, it's not a new thing, but there was certainly new attention being paid right around 2010 when Tom and I met and uh, I uh, said, hey, I, I, I'm sensing that there is a, an emerging job function, an emerging role, an emerging functional area here when it comes to data and analytics. Today, it's largely thought of as an IT uh, mm -hmm. activity and one of you know, many activities within IT, but, but a time will come very quickly where where chief analytics officers, chief data officers, chief data and analytics officers, and their teams will emerge as a unique function and really as a unique kind of secret weapon. And mm -hmm. that has come true. And uh, so in 2010, you know, Tom, uh, I being kind of a more of an operator, an information company builder, more of an entrepreneur, uh, and Tom obviously being the deep domain expert came together to form uh, the International Institute for Analytics, uh, IIA. We, you know, we, we try to live up to the first I in our name, which is international. This is a global trend. Um, 
And every firm in every industry at some point around the world, we believe that we'll have to have a position in when it comes to data and analytics. Some may choose mm-hmm. to ignore it, uh, but our research tells us that they do that at their peril, that there are numerous stories of, of companies being uh, be, being truly just sort of run out of their industry by competitors who really are mastering data and analytics. So, mm-hmm. um, so that's really the, the the origin ten years ago, and yeah. you know, and it's been a great journey so far. And I think we're we're set for the next ten years, really. That's awesome. Yeah, I remember when I was at Dell, I got first got uh, introduced to IAA, and I remember Tom. Um, presenting to our executives saying, guys, we focus and we go a mile deep on advanced analytics. We don't go out all, all deep rounders. We focus on the advanced analytics. And I love that because at that time, I was starting to realize, you know, this regurgitation of data that, that produces no insight, no actionable outcome had to change because we weren't getting the value. Um, so I, I was very blessed to meet both you and Tom at that time. So, um, so what is the focus and the mission and has it evolved over the 10 years? I mean, you gave us kind of that high level, but um, you, what, what do you guys do when you do well, what you do? <laughs> yeah. So the, you know, I, I, I think the, the, the primary mission is to help fortune 2000 level enterprises uh, uh, move down the difficult transformation that is data and analytics in a, you know, in a much quicker and much more efficient manner. So the, the value proposition of IIA is essentially avoiding the expensive mistakes that other firms who have come before you um, have gone through and who have made. Um, mm-hmm. uh, and so ultimately, you know, from a business model perspective, we are kind of comparable to, you know, we call ourselves a research advisory and benchmarking firm. Mm. And, uh, you know, I'll, I'll probably come back to the word performance a number of times today. The idea is that, you know, we think that when we started the business, it was, you know, there were early adopters to take, to take the, the you know, crossing the chasm metaphor here. There were, there were a number of firms who, who were investing probably ahead of where they needed to be, you know, Procter and Gamble comes to mind as as a company that's been doing this for such a long time and has really gone through, uh, you know, has really looked at every aspect of their business. And mm-hmm. and I would say that from 2010 to where we stand midway through 2021, you know, the difference is that the stakes have really become much clearer and much more specific and enterprises are still starting to understand, okay, we must not only play in this area, we must not only pay attention to it, but we need to drive high performance in this Mm -hmm. area because number one, we need to stay up to speed with our competitors. But number two, you know, there are just so many opportunities to revolutionize and improve businesses today with various levels of return on investment, you know, and so to use the age old metaphor of the low hanging fruit and maybe the fruit in the middle of the tree and at the top of the the tree, you know, firms are understanding with minimal investment, the kind of transformation in their core business that they're able to make. So 
to come back to your question, the mission really is, we think, you know, the key word is it's a difficult journey. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, so. talking to performance, um, I get pushback often um, when I say we can codify, you know, I'm sorry, we can quantify and objectively measure the value being produced out of analytics. Right? And, mm-hmm. and it needs to be kind of baked into the way you drive out your requirements. And time and again, I'll have the chief financial officer say, you can't put a value on analytics. I was like, oh my gosh, you know, talk to me a little bit. What's your opinion there, my friend? Yeah, uh, to me, that is such an outdated view. And I'm proud to say that clients of IIAs are handed, are given uh, a kit. They're, they're given a playbook. They're given a recipe book for how to quantify the value of a data and analytics program, right? Mm-hmm. Not which often begins at the project level, but this has been conquered. This has been done by innovative, imaginative chief analytics officers for the past fifteen or twenty years. And so the idea of proving value, it seems difficult, right? But it's, it's a little bit like, okay, uh, you know, what's the value of electricity coming into my office? Well, I can't, I can't exactly say that I picked up another sale because I had electricity. I can't connect it. It's, it's, it's a bit that way sort of amorphous in data analytics. How, mm-hmm. Having said that, however, there is a whole body of work that you you know this as well as anybody, Mike, that connects to the business problem, uh, clarifies where the improvement, whether it's top-line improvement, cost savings, bottom-line improvement, employee retention, you know, being imaginative about where the value areas are, and then aligning an effort with that improvement, it's... It, it's it's not easy, but it's mm-hmm. it's usually a cultural barrier, not a mathematical barrier. I agree with that so much. And, so, and you know, if a company is doing strategic planning, and let's say I would hope most companies are right in some form or fashion or some sense level of rigor. Um, but if you can link into your strategic plan, there's usually financial metrics in there, right? Or there's you know growth metrics or customer satisfaction that'll turn into growth or whatever the heck, you know? Um, if you can link into those strategic themes and then you start to ask those questions, how can I help you hit that target? How, how can I help you initiate that target through analytics? And then you have that dialogue. So I loved, I love your, your, your point about uh, having a toolkit to be able to pull this stuff out and, and then turn it into something that's measurable. Yeah. 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 And it, so, and again, I'll, I mean, I'll come back to high performance and Kalia mentioned the leading analytics podcast that mm-hmm. we've been running for the past year. And if you, you know, one of the questions that I asked the 23 chief analytics officers over the past 13 months is how do you define success? So in other words, how do you define high performance? How do you know mm-hmm. when either your team or the enterprise is performing at its highest level when it comes to data and analytics. Mm-hmm. And you know, it, it's, it's, it's not an easy question to answer, but in most cases, those chief analytics officers said, that is the most important question to be asking. 
Mm-hmm. The right. most important question to be asking. And so, you know, another framework that we've that that we use is is we call it the eras of analytics. And we're already mm-hmm. in the fourth in the fourth era. Well, back in late second era, early third era, this idea of of how to uh, permanently make a place for the data and analytics capability. That is, permanently convince leadership that this should be something that is funded, certainly, you know, not 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 as just a cost of doing business, but instead mm-hmm. it should be funded at a level that it's uh, when it's creating value. Um, mm-hmm. And so that it, it, it at times it's surprising to us at IIA that there are still these inane debates between, mm-hmm. you know, somebody on the financial side who draws, who brings such a skeptical eye to the work that analytics professionals are doing because it's so outdated. And I, you know, I tell analytics professionals, it's up to you to take the cookbook, to take the playbook, to take the recipe book, don't recreate anything, to follow that process mm-hmm. to, you know, take credit for what you are producing. I so. love that. Yeah, I love to cook. So I, I love taking a, a recipe. I got to follow it a couple of times, right? But then I start to adapt as yeah. part of my adoption. So you, you do, you start with these, these cookbooks. That, that is an incredible body of knowledge, right? And proven techniques because it's been time tested uh, and adopted. Love that. Talk a little bit about analytics. You, you hinted at the, the, um, the, the podcast series. Um, analytic leadership roles in the industry is are we seeing kind of a morph there or an evolution? What are these guys telling you? Yeah, I think we are. I th- I often use the word hardening, and you know, and and I, you know, Mike, you and I have spoken before about if you look at the evolution of other more commonly known functions, uh, finance, the CFO, the chief financial officer leads that, <clears throat> even human resources, the the head of human resources or marketing. These are functions that have been around in in comparative terms for, you know, 10 times the time that that in modern business history that that this data and analytics function has been around. And Mm -hmm. so it's not not surprising that during the 10 years that IIA has been watching the industry, there has been a lot of movement and a lot of experimentation with different organizing models and job titles. Mm-hmm. But I think now we are starting to see some hardening and some centralization, if you, uh, some, sorry, some, some in sort of intentional um, uh, uh, approaches that tend to now work. So mm-hmm. we're not, you know, if you walk into an, of a marketing team at, in any modern fortune, say 2000 enterprise, you'll likely see give or take, you know, more or less a pretty comparable organizational chart. You know, mm-hmm. you'll have folks that are doing, that are doing demand planning and there you'll have, or you'll have, you know, that, that's for, in the analytics team, it's still, it's still being formed, but more and more I hear from, I see, if you look across all 23 episodes, there is commonality not necessarily in there's commonality in the org in the organizing model 
by stage of development. Mm -hmm. And and so Mm -hmm. the critical point that we're seeing is that that in, in early phases of an analytics program, one model works well, but pretty quickly with evolution, there's a second and a third model and a set of job functions and titles that are going to be needed. Mm-hmm. So that I think that is starting to harden and, mm-hmm. you know, and salaries are starting to actually, you know, uh, uh, the, the, the upper and lower bands are starting to tighten. And I think it's pretty clear what it costs to have a data engineer, what it costs to have a data scientist based on geography. So, mm-hmm. so sort of hardening and, and, and I think that's starting to happen. Yeah. Yeah. Well, analytics, it's, it's, you know, ubiquitous, you know, it's kind of a horizontal, um, core competency. Um, but it's a means to an end because at the end of the day, it's about optimizing business function internally and or product differentiation through analytics and the products and, and services we sell, right? So, you know, there's always this debate, do I centralize, do I decentralize, do I centralize, do I decentralize, right? Um, and, and at Great Data Mines, we see two roles. We see a supply and demand model here where the business community is placing demand because they want to do analytics. So they're placing demand on curated data. And then the data providers, the data professionals have to supply the right data products to enable those analytic products, right? And there's, there's the analytics professional role, you know, as, as a, oh, I don't know, like a trusted partner or lead. I'm sorry, my phone's going off. I should stop it. Wasn't an important call. Um, the, the, so there's this there's this trusted advisory kind of process that has to happen to help the business level out the art of the possible through analytics. They're, they're not necessarily going to know. I'm a marketing officer. I got. I want to drive good campaigns. You know, um, and then that person on behalf of the business community can start to drive the demand for additional data supply and. And stop me if you if you think I'm heading down the wrong the wrong path here, Jack. But I, I see that that analytic facing business facing person is, is more of a a functional business oriented. It naturally aligns in the business community, and the data officer, if you will, the data professionals, naturally aligns more into the technical part of the organization. Yeah, I I think that's right, and I'll add. You know, I think your supply-demand metaphor is right on the mark. And one of the frameworks that we use often here at IIA with our clients, I'll add a sort of a layer on top of it, is we call it the information economy. And so back to you know, your Econ 101 classes in, in, in college, when, when supply and demand are in alignment, that is when demand's needs are being met and when, when, and, and when all of supplies available supply is being consumed, there, there's, there's harmony in that economy. That economy mm-hmm. clears. And probably the number one thing that we see today in low-performing firms that we track is when supply and demand are not in alignment. And mm-hmm. so as you can imagine, you, you can have at least two scenarios. Demand has expectations that are outsized, that are perhaps uh, 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 not realistic, 
Um, or demand isn't the demand side, the business side isn't actually really being a good partner, isn't, isn't, under, isn't bringing their own level of data literacy and analytics literacy up to a level where they're good consumers. Mm-hmm. Um, so you can have, you can have, uh, so what that will then cause a gap in terms of satisfaction, demand supply, the supply side, the analytics side believes that demand is satisfied, but when you actually speak to them, they say, no, we're really not getting what we need. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, and then the other culprit here is that, that the supply side can either be woefully underfunded and, mm. you know, and just inadequate, or it can be so world-class, it can be so strong that it's, that it's overkill for what the demand is actually, the demand side is actually uh, requiring. And so mm-hmm. we, we tend to see the former more than the latter. And yet there are examples where, where you have just untapped, unutilized analytics capacity or on the supply side. Uh, and that also is low performance. And so, yeah. you know, we, you, you know, that we, we, you know, we follow something called the five stages of analytics maturity that Tom Davenport originally coined uh, way back in analytics at work. And so if you think about your own, your enterprise's maturity score on a one to five scale, you know, we, we, we actually, we think, we believe we have the richest and deepest data set of analytics maturity scores in the world by industry and by firm. And, you know, common question is, well, what, what is it, what is it that leads to low, a low score, a low performance? Mm-hmm. And the truth is, it's not that, that, you know, that you, it's, it's not the obvious, which is, oh, we just don't have good supply side or provisioning capability. No, it's actually, it's more sophisticated. It's a little bit more nuanced when the economy is out of balance to use your mm-hmm. metaphor, when demand is not getting its needs met, mm-hmm. um, that's low performance. You may have all the tech in the world, but if we're not solving real business problems, that's low performance. Mm-hmm. And I'll throw in there too. If we're very, very much advocate. Uh, we're very much an advocate, <laughs> a great data mind of taking that lean agile approach. So adopting lean principles and executing in an agile fashion in the analytic world. And one of the one of the core principles of lean is take an economic view, right? Yeah. And I kind of liken it to find the big pile of money, right? What is the big pile of money? And it doesn't have to only be a shareholder as a stakeholder. You got the whole ecosystem, but find the needle that we need to move because that's what the strategy is asking for, and then drive towards it. You know, drive towards prioritizing the right work to deliver value in the shortest amount of time, right? And, and to that point where I've got, I'm underperforming um, um, in supplying the right products to, to, for the analytic demand, it could be because I'm not prioritizing the right work, right? And, and I've got people doing non-value added work. Right? Exactly. That's my thought, anyway. Um, yeah. So, We've been poking around on measures. Let's 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 drill on that a little bit more because I'm hearing and I see the likes of the McKinsey's and Gartner's and you know you name it the the, the kind of mega research firms that are looking at macro level stuff. Um, 
I saw this one quote from uh, McKinsey that advanced analytics is going to add another $6 trillion on top of the, I think it was around 10 or $15 trillion that analytics as a whole provides, right? Um, let's talk about that a little bit. Is that, is that a real number? How do companies start to measure and contribute to that, you know, analytic GDP? <laughs> Yeah, so I think you're asking two questions. Is that a credible figure, and 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 where do those firms come with those market size and market growth mm-hmm. figures? And we at IIA have chosen not to try to uh, to to get our arms around market size and market growth. There are too many good firms who who do it much more from a macroeconomic basis. Uh, if, mm-hmm. if anything, we we at IIA are at the firm level rather than the industry or the economy level, and so. You know, uh, whether it's, uh, you know, leading healthcare provider Cleveland Clinic in the Midwest or it's, uh, it's Procter & Gamble in the CPG space, what they care about is, is are they moving forward in their capabilities, number one, and is that capability improvement translating then to higher business performance uh, uh, for the firm? Mm-hmm. And, and so I think, you know, to... To, to come back to so to come back to just put a fine point on the market sizing, I think we can all agree uh, this is a large opportunity. Whether you're mm-hmm. a single firm or you're an investor or you're a you know you're a tool or data supplier, this is a large and growing quickly market. Um, yes, it is. How, how big it is, it, it, it's difficult to really quantify, and and so we. We, we tend to leave that to the Gartners and the Foresters and the McKinsey's and the Baines of the world. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, but at the, at the enterprise, at the firm level. In the, inside the four walls. Yeah. Inside the four walls, you know, uh-huh. mo- the, the, two questions emerge. Number one, how are we doing year in and year out relative to the goals that we've set for ourselves? Mm-hmm. Right. Are we, are, you know, depending on, we use again something called the Delta Plus model, uh, the, which is a derivative of the original Delta model. And the T of the first T of the Delta Plus model stands for targets. And you know, high performers, as you mentioned earlier, uh, Mike, tend to quantify their business targets. Is it is it new sales? Is it operating at a lower cost? Is it you know, employee retention, what's the, what's the number one or two or three business goal that we're trying to tackle? Are we mm-hmm. actually aiming this capability at the right targets? Mm-hmm. And so, you know, f- big, large firms are simply saying at the beginning of a particular year, here are our goals with respect to improving our data and analytics capabilities that will translate into business goals. And it, at some level, I, we don't really care about how our competitors are doing or how the industry is doing, just what is happening relative to our own goals. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that your Delta model then, your framework um, properly being used company by company and building that, that adoption over time, I think we can help vet those, uh, those macro level estimates, right? We can no show quite- no right. question. Yeah, no, no question that I think you that that you know essentially if 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 those macro estimates are just simply the the sum of the aggregation of of you know of firms and industries and entire and geographies, uh, I think you can build up to that from the bottom up. My sense mm-hmm. is 
my sense is that 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 the firms that we've described today are tending to come from a top-down perspective. What's the GDP mm-hmm. of a particular country or a particular industry? Um, and what portion of their growth do we estimate will be driven by the use of data and analytics? So, you know, we're kind of we're kind of coming uh, one top down at IIA, we really come firm by firm, really at the at, at a bottom up approach. Um, mm-hmm. But we do then aggregate and publish industry indexes. So mm-hmm. there are 12 unique industries and sub sectors within those industries where we believe we see uh, quantitatively all the real analytical action is happening, right? And really there isn't a, an industry now that is exempt from this, that is not being transformed in some way. But so if you can imagine then almost like looking at a, you know, at a stock chart, uh, you know, you, you can put these industry indexes next to each other and you can see, for example, that as you might imagine, financial services has been doing this for a long time. This is insurance and this is investment world and banking and you know, and so from a perform from a from a, a performance perspective, and from a maturity perspective, they tend to be toward the top. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll run all the way to the bottom scale, as you might imagine. Healthcare providers tend to be very low in our industry maturity index, and mm-hmm. culturally, it's been difficult to adopt a data-driven culture versus say a patient-centric model. Um, mm-hmm. And so, and somewhere in between then are a whole group of industries, um, you know, whether it's manufacturing or it's CPG and retail, those kinds of things. And, um, and so if you, again, imagine a continuum with all these industries, what we see is this, this line that is moving where, um, where we believe to the left of that particular line, industries are very much at risk for disruption. Mm-hmm. And the actual mm-hmm. evidence that, hap- that, that comes, what comes to mind, for example, is when, when Amazon decided to, to enter, in a sense, the, you know, the, the grocery business by acquiring Whole Foods Market. That was a, that was an, an, it was a, it was sort of a shot across the bow, I believe, for that, for that industry. And Amazon, I believe, picked, made an acquisition in that space based on the quality of the company and that ability to integrate their core business with the Whole Foods business. But what I Mm -hmm. think that did was put on notice every other grocery group in that industry that that the highest performer in our index, that is Amazon, which they're close to a, a perfect, perfect score, you know, was going to look and probably look to disrupt based on simply data and analytics. So, you know, about a year ago, Jeff Bezos with Jamie Dimon and a couple of others said, healthcare, you're next. Mm-hmm. Yep. Healthcare, you're next. Well, you think about it. I mean, healthcare has trailed um, in the digital transformation, if you will. Um, they went through the ERP pen in yeah. the form of e, you know, electronic medical records, right? Yeah. Um, and they're still struggling with it because now, as a care provider, I'm not at the bedside caring. I'm sitting at my terminal trying to figure out, you know, so they, they still have a lot of 
user experience enhancements and, and whatnot. So it's much more intuitive. And they don't have a lot of digital history yet, um, but they have enough to start looking at that digital data and start to do the analytics. That's just my sense. You know? Retail and manufacturing were in that boat 15 years ago. Yeah. Yep. I no, I think that's right. And 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 so, you know, um, to the extent that listeners are wondering, okay, is my industry competitive or is it at risk? Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, I think IIA could provide real quantitative, actual data-driven evidence to answer that question. Um, that. You know, and then and then we call it sort of within the industry. I mentioned again, I mentioned one of the leading performers that we track Cleveland Clinic in the pro- healthcare provider space, despite that industry being kind of low in um, across a lot of industries, Cleveland Clinic is actually so high that they, if you go horizontally, they actually are on par with some retailers and some financial services firms. That's awesome. Right. An outlier. An outlier. <laughs> and so, but so then, you know, you think about where do industries go over time? Our sense is that not only industries that are to the left are at risk, but firms that are vertically at the bottom of their industry line are also at risk. So, um, and, you know, and numerous types of evidence that this is not just make believe, that this idea of disruption, oh, yeah, it's coming. Sure, you know, we're fine. We know our business. We've been in business 100 years. Why should we worry? No, you know, I, 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 I think, you know, I talked about the next 10 years of IIA. I think we will see true evidence of winners and losers. We're already yeah. seeing it, but I think it will become much more public and much more front and center that those that didn't keep up with investment, whether they're in manufacturing or, you know, uh, whatever industry, that they truly risk oblivion um, if they're not careful. We're already seeing evidence of these casualties, right? And if 2020 was not the wake up call (laughs) for a lot of people, we had no control over what happened over the last 18 months. And they were truly disruptive from, of course, COVID, but, you know, shoving a barge into to the shore of the only darn canal that moves, how many, was it 400 right. million a day, $400 million a day they were losing because of that barge being jammed up. And we still have supply chain problems. Right? Crazy. Uh, yeah. And there's casualties all over. So are we going to see an evolution of adoption of a standard set of value KPIs <clears throat> excuse me, for the analytics space, you know, true, you know, like this is my value as an analytics program. Are we going to see an adoption as a standard set of those? You know, I think, Mike, that we will get there. I think what we're, what we're seeing is an adoption of a standard approach to estimating value creation. But I think we are not yet to being able to establish uh, be- value creation benchmarks uh, that one could rely on. So let me be be, be more specific. If 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 the leader of our research and advisory network, Doug Mursky, were, who works on our team and 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 leads that service line for us, which is kind of our flagship offering, we're on the phone, and I asked him, Doug, you know, t- tell me about the the top five or ten questions that you get that come in 
from our research clients. Right near the top will be, how do I estimate return on investment for my analytics capabilities, right? How do I tell upstairs, they want to know if they invest a dollar with me, how many dollars are they going to get back over a certain period of time? And they want it down to, you know, two digits. Mm-hmm. They're going to get $3.65 back because that CFO is eager to say, okay, we're making three and a half times our money by help by investing with the analytics team. Uh, we could make two times our money. I'll make the example up, of course, uh, by adding more salespeople uh, or by putting, you know, if we're a let's say a oil refinery by putting more holes in the ground, or if we're Starbucks, putting more, you know, putting, put, actually adding more locations. And, and I think that is as, as, as analytics to come back to my earlier point, overused expression, as it now has cemented its seat at the table, as, as data analysts is now not, not just here temporarily, is here to stay through good and bad times. There is a growing requirement to actually compare the return on that capability against other uses of capital. Mm-hmm. Okay. And therefore, our research clients are calling and saying, help me figure this out. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, the answer that Doug would give is there's no way that you could, that I could just say to you, okay, you should expect to see a 4x return on capital invested in the, in, in data analytics. It, 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 it varies by company size, by company age, by industry, by app, you know, the analytical applications. Uh, uh, it, it is so difficult. But mm-hmm. what I so to come to a number, but I think there is the good news is there is a process, there is a framework that one could follow, mm-hmm. you know, to calculate that unique return rate, if you will, if that's how you want to think about it, uh, for your unique firm in your unique industry, given what you're trying to accomplish. So um, so I, so I, if, standardization will come on process, not the actual numbers. Um, and, and if we continue to see this, this growth of, of adoption, then, and that adoption is producing some kind of codified outcome uh, it's going to be by company by company, of, of course, but we'll start to have enough empirical data, I'm hoping, that we can start to make some uh, extrapolated statements around industry values. Yeah. Boy, wouldn't it be cool if we can walk into a company and say, we believe on average you should make $40 for every dollar invested in that. Yeah. Right. right. Wouldn't it be cool? But, but Mike, I think we returned to your earlier point about the CFO looking at you with skepticism through his or her green eye shade saying, really? I don't buy it. How do you know yeah. that? Right? Um, I, 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 can, I get concerned about, about that. And again, this sort of gets deep into the science of, of persuasion and, mm-hmm. and you know, how, how, a, how a, a return model meets just simply, you know, some instinct that says, whether it's 40 or 20 or 80, I don't know that it, we should debate that. What we know is it's got two digits and it starts at least with a two. So let's get going because I'd love to get 20, 20 times my money on, you know, on just simply, again, I'll make it up, taking all this disparate data that's sitting around here and putting it into a cloud-based synthesized data set that we could all use 
to run our business better. Don't, you know, let's not get caught on whether it's seven times or 10 times or 50 times. It's not only positive, but it's probably, you know, very positive. So let's at least try it. And that takes us back to agile. And that takes us back to let's start someplace. Oh, I love that. So a perfect segue. Um, from a lean agile perspective, one of the one another core principle is continuous innovation. And then that of course um, manifests into continuous improvement as well. Um, but during a continuous innovation, it's about rapid cycles to vet ideas out and vet it to the point where you can simulate a value that you're going to put on as a target of that analytic. But you need an environment uh, and you need the capabilities and, of course, the mindset um, to do that. Um, we're seeing evidence of a good percentage of the Fortune 500 companies investing in innovation labs for analytics. Yeah. Um, are you seeing anything like that? What are you seeing? Yeah, we certainly are. And again, it, 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 as you'd imagine, it tends to be in the, in the later stage, higher performers, as opposed, it's not the first thing that, uh, that a firm will do, uh, but in the mid and late, late, you know, sort of higher maturity firms, you bet. Um, and I'm going to exclude for a minute, you know, firms largely in the mid or small market that decide it's probably not worth it for us to stand up and build our own capability. I'll outsource that to a lab provider. And so, so I think, Mike, what we're seeing, and you guys are very familiar with this, right? What we're seeing is not only, you know, the, the large enterprises of the world saying, um, let's stand up our own innovation or analytics lab, but mm -hmm. we're also seeing the emergence then of, of rent, rental capabilities, that is util mm -hmm. rent the utility capabilities for, for mostly mid-market firms who say, we're just too small to actually own it, but we want to participate. So we'll rent that utility um, as opposed to owning it. So, yeah, I mean, and, I, and and I, yeah. That, you know, that, I'm sorry to interrupt you there, oh, okay. um, Jack. Um, so Jack, that allows the business community, community to that, then to invest in their analytic literacy, right? Um, I'm gonna take advantage of a provider, if you will, um, uh, I don't have the technical competency, but I sure do have a lot of ideas that I want to vet out. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, um, and no question. And and so again, then lean agile, you know, it has arrived in a sense. It's been around for a while, but it, it's arrived just in time then for to meet the overall trend within data and analytics, because, mm -hmm. you know, Tom, if Tom Davenport were with us, I mean, he, he would describe the early phases, right? The, the, the early eras, I referred to the eras earlier in mm -hmm. you know, 1.0 and 2.0, he used to describe, you know, analytics and again, in the, in, in the, in the sixties to the eighties as an engine room activity. Mm -hmm. you know, it was sort of, it was sort of, it, it you, you didn't ever see Scotty walking up to the to the bridge talking to Captain Kirk. I mean, it was down, you know, mm -hmm. down in the bottom uh, uh, of uh, and, and, you know, really didn't. And you can be sure that the idea of experimentation and agile. No, it was, you know, I have one hundred dollars. I'm going to spend it all and then we'll see if we get something. 
and we're going to spend all our time. And so now I think you have these, you have the confluence of labs, you have the, the ideas of lean and agile, mm -hmm. you have the idea of incremental return. So do something, sh prove it, that leads to the next investment, to the next investment. And, mm -hmm. and so analytics, to me, when you talk about innovation, but anal analytics is kind of the leading now, the leading trend, the leading character around lab-like experimentation. like. And so th then the next question for enterprises who, who have decided that they want to do this is where and how? Mm -hmm. Where and how, and if you're a you know if you're a geographically um, sort of challenge not challenged if you're a geographically somewhat obscure enterprise like um, you know John Deere in Moline Illinois it's not that it's not that it's hard to get talent to come to Moline Illinois mm -hmm. um, now especially we're in, in the winter especially <laughs> in the winter and now you know so and now we're in a virtual world so I'm you know you have a lot to say I know Mike about. The, the idea of a lab being physical in, but maybe, you know, we're, we're seeing firms head to Silicon Valley, head to Chicago, head to Austin, um, head to Boston, Route 128 to set up lab environments where they can bring talent. And then all of a sudden COVID hit. And, and now what we're seeing is, okay, I'm not tethered anywhere. And so the competition mm -hmm. for resources, this gets us into a slightly different topic, which is resources and competition for resources. But what will be fascinating for us to see is what does that lab in the sky, lab in the cloud look like? And Mike, mm -hmm. I mean, this is where I would ask you a question. What do you see coming in that area? Because I think you've studied this a lot. Well, and it, I, it's going to be an, an incredible uh, manifestation of the value of cloud, yeah. right? I, I, I was kind of wondering for a couple of years, are we watching the fad, you know, where people are moving their workloads to the cloud? Um, it's, this is not a fad, it, right. you know, and if any, um, the last 18 months reinforced that, I don't know how many clients had to put things on hold because they didn't know how to allow their people to work remotely and get into their systems. I was like, oh my gosh, thing called an internet, you know? <laughs> so I, I, I see the, the leverage of cloud, um, environments, auto scaling, pay-as-you-go kind of environment, um, and using those to stand up environments that allow business communities to ideate on analytics. And then that starts to sharpen the prioritization pipeline for the work that the technical people yeah. should do. And I think that is going to be a linchpin for analytics at scale, right? and truly hitting, finding the, that big pile of money very quickly. And the other thing is, as you know, Jack, um, analytics is a dirty job, right? It's a tough job. There's all, every time you start another project, you think you got it all figured out and you run into a brick wall, right? So having the lean, the lean agile mindset, which is iterate fast, learn fast, fail, you know, people say fail fast. I like to say learn fast, right? Um, quickly so that you don't put a bunch of investment and three months later you realize, shoot, I can't even deliver this because I don't have the right data. I have no entitlement. Being able to iterate quickly in this dynamic lab environment, which is very cost-effective, I believe, um, is going to be a key. Yeah. That's fine. Yep. Yeah. No, I, I, I think that's right. I think that's right.
So what's coming next, Jack? What's, what, what's the call to action for people to step away with? Yeah, I, I, I truly think we're, we're entering this, this, this next era, if you, you know, if I get if we want to call it the, the, the 5.0 era, but anyway, we've just published the 4.0 era, but, but I think the zenith, I, I, think, I think the real inflection point in the curve is still ahead of us. I think mm-hmm. largely stepping, I know everybody says, oh God, there's so much going on with AI and machine learning and, 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 and in other words, the future is so bright. And, and that is true, that is true. Mm-hmm. And, yet, and yet the data that you see in terms of actual successful implementations in production of some of those technologies are a little more scarce than perhaps mm-hmm. the media would, would tell you. And I think, so you know any hype curve, I, the hype is going to is going to sit out ahead of the actual practical implementation. And I see, mm-hmm. I see the the majority, not the early adopters, but I see the fat of the bell curve now moving in this direction. And mm-hmm. and and you know it's not it's not sexy, but the basics. So many firms are starting to look after the basics, um, not not the most advanced analytics techniques, but just the basics. So the bottom, the bottom end of the performance curve is moving up, right? As, and, and the top end is also expanding in terms of what's possible. And so, you know, I, I, mm-hmm. I think about what's, what's the future of IIA's business. It is, it is helping every enterprise just take advantage of Ben back to a bad metaphor, just try to grab that fruit that is just there in their grasp at the bottom mm-hmm. of the tree. And because it is never, it's never been easier to do that. It, mm-hmm. you know, and so, so I, 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 I tend, you know, folks expect that I'll say, oh, the future of AI. And, but actually I think the real movement here is the fat of the bell curve, that it becomes, that it becomes equal opportunity now and that every enterprise whether it's through fear or it's through imagination, it can be through fear, which is, uh-oh, everybody else is doing this. Mm-hmm. Why are we not? Um, mm-hmm. But it also can be, imagine if we could look at our customer in a three-dimensional way and you know, th- that's sort of what's, the, the what's possible. So, mm-hmm. so I tend to be a bit more just practical and sober about, uh, about what's next. Um, you know, another question that comes my way a lot is you mentioned earlier that sort of it's perceived that data and analytics is a bunch of boxes over in the corner. Oh, those look like computers. Oh, this is just an IT thing. Mm-hmm. This is just an IT thing. Well, and, and won't it just eventually just be absorbed back into IT? Uh, no, I don't think so. I don't I think, think so. Either. Right. I, I think that horse is, is, is out of the barn and isn't there have been other spaces. Again, I came from the information security space. I, I, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, there are chief information security officers, and information security is its own thing. But that—that's a defensive weapon. You know, analytics is an offensive weapon, and mm-hmm. and CEOs are realizing, whoa, wait, there's there's some real power mm-hmm. in this. And so I see increasingly the number of CAOs, when I ask them, where does this function sit, back to the podcast, fewer and fewer of them are saying, I sit under an IT umbrella. Mm -hmm. 
more and more are saying either I'm independent and I report into the COO or the CFO, right? Um, mm -hmm. More are saying that um, than they are, you know, I'm still, I'm still cast within IT. Yep, yep. That's kind of my, my view and perception as well when I'm out talking with customers. It's what I preach, right? It's a, it's a business enablement core competency that we got to really codify. The sun is coming out here in Portland, and as you can see, Look I'm at that. Just, I just need <laughs> so one second here. I just need to, to, to take this down. Otherwise, my, otherwise my entire face will be in the, there we go. That's a little better. Okay. I thought it was like the light was shining. <laughs> We're having our epiphany moment. Um, so uh, how do I find out where I am in that, 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 that bell curve? Yeah, well, I, you know, that's that's our whole core business. So I, I appreciate you asking it. And the answer is, you know, two eyes and the word analytics.com, iianalytics.com. And, you know, you can you you, you can literally, uh, you know, it, 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 uh, it can be as simple as take a framework and kind of self score, mm -hmm. which is possible. But that's, you know, remember, that's just your view all the way to what we do with firms on an annual basis. It's, it's very much like what I kind of call a fitness program. Once a year, just like you go to your physician, you step on the scale and you measure and you talk about your health and you sort of say, okay, you know, metaphorically, what's my BMI index? You know, what's my mm -hmm. weight relative to my age and so on? Well, IIA publishes your analytics maturity score. Think of it as like mm -hmm. your BMI. And so, um, and, you know, what goes with that, if you will, are these industry league charts, this ability to say, all right, I'm in this industry, where do I rank relative to your industry index? And just for fun, where does our industry rank relative to other industries? And even for more fun, where do we rank relative to your highest performers like Amazon and Netflix and LinkedIn, some of these born digital, these digital native rather firms? Mm -hmm. um, and so, you know, it, the, much of our research content is available uh, on our website to look through. Um, mm -hmm. But if you want a, you know, specific uh, exam, if you will, if you want a specific assessment, that's what we do every day. And then as you're collecting that, you're kind of, what you guys going to become like the JD power of the analytics space, right? Yeah, you're a great straight man, Mike. That's exactly, uh -huh. <laughs> you know, that's, that's exactly what, what I often say, you know, when someone says, well, what exactly is I? Well, we are the independent, you know, sort of third party uh, performance measurement company. So if you want to know if you're really doing well, not just, you know, qualitatively, anecdotally doing well, you, you come to IIA and we can tell you with authority and with objectivity uh, without trying to sell you a tool or sell you a service, uh, you, you know, we can tell you objectively where you are relative to our benchmark data, which again, is it's, it's got the benefit of both time and it has breadth with respect to industries and geographies and things like that. So, um, so yeah, I mean, that's, that's, that's what we're, that's what we're great at. And, and, you know, then there are a set of other kinds of questions that pop up things like, uh, how big should my team be? How big should the analytics community in my enterprise be relative, you know, based on our size, number of employees or revenue, 
based on what you're seeing in our industry, based on our geography, that kind of thing. Um, you know, pay rates, things like that. These are what I call micro benchmarks as opposed to the broader macro benchmark that says, you know, what's my enterprise mm. maturity score? I love it. And I, um, I can vouch for it firsthand. I, I experienced you uh, helping our clients. So thank you yeah. very much, sir. And thank you for the service you guys are bringing to the industry. Um, it's incredibly valuable for us to be able to lean into. Um, oh. Jack Phillips from the International Institute for Analytics and very dear friend of mine. Thank you so much, sir. Thank you. Thank you, Mike. It was enjoyed. I enjoyed it. Yeah. Fun. We've got some questions coming in right now. Okay, guys. So um, anybody who has time, I mean, we want to be cognizant of the time. So we're right at the top of the hour. If you have to drop, mm -hmm. that's totally okay. But if you've got some time to stay on, we do have a number of questions coming in. And um, three, actually, of the four questions that I'm looking at right now are all around talent and employment in the world of analytics, which I know is a really hot topic. So mm -hmm. um, we'll start at the top here. I have a question. The first one that we got was um, from Paul Williams, and he asks, uh, can we please elaborate on talent gaps for the analytics teams and what companies are doing to address this? He has a second part. He says, also, how are labor markets evolving to align this demand? Yeah, I'm gonna take a, a um, that check. Yeah, and I'm sure you've got a view, Mike. I, you know, this is one of those. How much time do you have? Questions because it's. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I think so. Let me share with you what we're seeing with, with and I think Paul, you adequately, you correctly call it a talent gap here. Um, the, back to Mike's earlier point, this is still a relatively unknown uh, craft. The, the the actual job titles, the actual job functions, the pay rates, the responsibilities are largely still forming. And so what we're seeing is analytics leaders walking over to their HR partners, their talent partners and saying, can you help us fill our open recs? Can you help us fill out the teams that we need to fill out? And human resources is saying, well, uh, you know, we know sales and marketing and supply chain, and we, we know that this is kind of a new world for us. And so mm -hmm. there is a gap there in terms of just of knowledge, number one. Uh, and so many of the analytics leaders are really just creating their own ladders, their own job ladders, their own, their own um, sort of uh, title ladders and so on. Um, and, uh, it, but again, that's something that we at IAA pride ourselves on knowing pretty well. Uh, mm -hmm. So often we will help the HR teams know who to go after and, and, and find. To your second question, you know, McKinsey said it five years ago, there is a continuing and it will be persistent gap between demand and supply for this kind of talent. Right? Yeah, and, and we are seeing that gap, um, uh, that, that gap in supply. So we're incubating our immersion program. We're bringing young, young talent coming out of college that have got, gotten an MS or, or BS in math and science, and we're putting them through uh, a, a high, you know, it's a high velocity boot camp, and then we're getting them out in the market. They're either going to be on our projects delivering to our clients, or we're going to be able to offer them up to our clients that are also failing, failing uh, to close their gap. So, yeah. merchant programs getting out to those those uh, universities forming relationships with them saying, hey, I want a partnership with you. I want to bring your talent and get, get them into the business market. Yep. 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 
Yeah, that's great. So Mike, you, you've done a good job of sort of teeing up the next question, which is from Zach. And he is saying that he's, um, I have actually two questions right now from students that are in an analytics um, mm -hmm. sort of situation. Zach particularly is in an analytics bootcamp and he hopes of, um, you know, eventually changing careers. So he's asking what career advice would you give to me to get into data and analytics? And before I turn the, the, the floor back to you, you just did a, a great job of um, addressing that we here at Great Data Minds have you know, quite a few open opportunities really right now. Um, so if anybody is uh, in that sort of same position as Zach and they're looking for what their next big thing is gonna be, we absolutely recommend that they reach out to us directly. Um, we can, you can hit a goodwin at greatdataminds.com for uh, more information on that. But then um, I'll let you go ahead and take that one, Mike. Yeah, um, from a career development, career path world, um, take to heart what Jack and I were talking about, that this is going to be going to continue to be a core competency in the business side of any house. So as you're building up your chops, if you will, around the technical bits of data engineering, building data pipelines, designing data models, building analytic models, et cetera, also have, have an unquenchable un, uh, um, desire to understand your business. You know, understand the marketing models, understand your sales models, understand um, uh, because where, where you really need to get to is you need to understand the voice of the customer so we can deliver an analytic that produces value. And that's design thinking. Would you add anything right. to that, Jack? No, I think you've said it well, I think that's right. Okay, the, the last, uh, yeah, I know we've got great questions coming through and everybody seems to be hanging out. So I think people are they're liking the Q&A guys. So the next question that we have, um, the final question we have around uh, talent and employment is coming in from Ed. Uh, Ed is saying, I'm a data analyst student looking to take the skill set to game design and the development industry. However, what Ed is seeing is that it seems to be kind of niche, at least compared to where analytics roles usually fall, which is in business, insurance, marketing, finance, mm -hmm. more of those common places that you'll end up as a data analyst. So the, the question that Ed poses is, do you think an analyst might have to prove their worth or advocate for their value to land a job in one of those more unorthodox fields? My, my short answer is if, if you come in and you, you're, you're credible and you, you demonstrate intellect and you demonstrate tenacity, companies are going to, companies are going to take a shot with you. And then, then you have an opportunity to, to approve, you know, not say prove yourself, but you have an opportunity to uh, deliver and expose the value you can bring to, to your company. Yeah, I think you, you know, I, I think you've said it, you've said it right. I did. Yeah, being and being just being sensitive to where the open doors are, where the pathways in are. Um, uh, it seems intuitive to me that you that you might need to start somewhere sort of in better known business functions before you could get into more you know sort of esoteric uh, areas. That would seem mm -hmm. logical to me. You might have to put some time in in a common application area to come to something that's niche. Like that. mm -hmm. Yeah, and and then I'll just you know. So we'll do kind of like point counterpoint. If the gaming industry is your passion, go for it. Yeah, go for it because you want to do something that feeds your passion and produces value from your perspective. Yeah. 
Okay, and we have one final question here from um, an anonymous attendee. And it says, thank mm -hmm. you for the great perspective and information, Jack or Mike, do you like the SMUG framework? Simple management using goals. Um, I'm not familiar with that specific framework, but I, I definitely align to um, the analytics program has to be driven by the corporate goals and the tactical initiatives that are, are trying to move the needle against those corporate goals. Yeah, I'm not familiar with SMUG either, and I but I would echo what Mike has said, you know, with yeah. With, 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 without a compass, without a goal in mind, you, you know, any, any path will do. So simple management mm -hmm. using goals seems logical to me. It's just not one I've, not a framework I've heard before. It was funny when I was first reading that question, I thought he was telling us we were smug. <laughs> <laughs> You're slug, slug framework. Um, so the, la the last thing that I have here is that I, I am being told that we have Tony Setter who wants to have some, uh, some personal quips for Mike Lampa. Okay. Does Tony know about this, or is this a, a brainchild of Julie Burroughs? I have no idea what's about to happen. <laughs> he did. Oh, okay. So this, yeah, this is Julie kind of prompting me. She said, "Let let Tony speak," and I'm letting Tony oh. speak, but I'm not hearing anything coming out. Hey. Okay, I'm and that, Tony. Oh, he's going off. He's, oh, okay. Now, so now, hold on. Let's let Julie speak. Julie's the mastermind behind this one. Hold on. Okay, we got Julie on here too. And hey, Mike, that was Tony's question for you. Oh, which one? The smug question? Uh huh. <laughs> Jack, that's an internal joke. Great, thanks. <laughs> That's good. Okay. Yeah. You guys did great. We're, we're right here. Yeah, yeah we're you guys did great. Too. That was wonderful. That was wonderful. One of our best. Thank you, Jack. You're Jack, welcome. Thank you so much. Appreciate you're you, sir. You're welcome. Yeah. Thanks so much, Jack. This was a great, a great conversation. Thank you so much, Mike, for um, you know all this really valuable information. And I think we can see that there's absolutely a critical mass of people asking questions about. Um, talent and employment and that you know like i said please feel free to reach out to us if people are looking for the next big thing because we've got we've got some holes to fill as well yeah exactly. mm -hmm. okay all right thanks everybody Thank thanks you. for staying on for the question have a great day okay take care bye bye, -bye. bye, -bye.